Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast with your hosts, Corndog and Eric. Podcast episode number 81, January 26, 2023. I am Corndog, your co host, along with our other co host, Eric. How's it going, Eric? Doing good. Good to be back, guys. Good to be back. So, we're always changing things up. And yeah, we missed you last episode, Eric. You were out having fun in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sound so like you guys had plenty of fun without me. Yeah, we it was a good show. Grandma's yeah, what a great show. Uh, so a little different again. I'm on the road. I'm actually in New Mexico, Rio Rancho, New Mexico, sitting at my buddy March Carter's house, and he's going to be our guest tonight. So, um, how you doing, March? Good. I'm uh, happy to be here. This is going to be fun. Cool. So we'll we'll take care of a little bit a bit of business and come back and hear your story. We're excited. Sounds good. Cool. So, what's been going on, Eric? <laughs> Man, I just been getting caught up. Uh, like you said, and we went to Hawaii and camped on the beach for a week. So that was a lot of fun. Some good family time in, and uh, getting back to real life with work and Baja prep. What is, um, what's that word work? Yeah. I don't know. You wouldn't know. You're just, <laughs> you're just a world traveler. So I don't know. I don't know if you forgot what work was, but. Yeah. I'm living the moto van life. Um, on my way to Georgia. So I was making a bunch of stops on the way. Yeah. So how's that going? How's the old moto van treating you? It, it's good. It, it's a little different you know you got to find a place to park to sleep and of course find showers i i have been staying at some friend's house or i've been hitting the shower either at a koa or planet fitness it was 18 degrees this morning when i woke up in arizona it was a little cold yeah uh so i left vegas last friday and headed straight to the gamblers race the first round of the moran race brought to you by gamblers race that saturday morning and man that was brutal it was it was rocky sandy uh whooped and some hill climbs but uh it was still fun and yeah, i heard uh, it was uh heard it was pretty pretty uh pretty technical with all the rocks and not a lot of breaks no no breaks really at all um Ended up taking first in class, so that was good. And my thighs are just starting to feel better. My thighs took a pound in. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Congrats on your first cool. in class. Thanks. Yeah, good weekend. So then, then I packed up. You know, after I, I was hanging out with the ground shakers, and after all our ground shakers finished, packed up, and I hauled butt to Prim to race the works race on Sunday. Well, I get there just in time to sign up Saturday night before they close. I grabbed a schedule. They changed the schedule completely from what it usually is or what was posted on the website. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to race Sunday because most of the bikes were on Saturday. 
they combined it with the side-by-sides and they never updated their website. So I was a little bummed about that. But um, I hung out there anyway, slept there and started watching Supercross with my buddy Mo and his group of guys. But uh, it's pretty wore out and went and laid in the van and put it on my phone and ended up falling asleep before it was over. So I didn't get to see much of the main events. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been just going hard, dude. Uh, you missed yeah. you missed some good racing. The, the Supercross was was pretty awesome. Yeah, I've uh, seen a little bit of the highlights, and I did battle. watch most of the qualifying, but um, yeah, it was, just... it was as hard to predict as we thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. With exception uh, of Tomac. He's the only consistent. Right. Yeah, let's not even talk about our picks for Rocky Mountain. I It's probably the worst I've ever done since I've been playing. <clears throat> but on that note, guys, don't forget to get your picks in for this weekend, and I'm too. Eric, did we lose you? Well, looks like we're going to take a little break. I think we lost Eric. Probably got an ambulance call or something. So give us a minute. I'll be right back. All right. We are back. You back with us, Eric? Did you run off on an ambulance call or something? <laughs> I am back. I'm here, guys. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> the great Russ Pearson was calling me, and it, it bumped us off. So okay. we got well, that result. Well, We'll let it slide since it was Russ Pearson. <laughs> I texted him and told him he's welcome to come over and jump on the podcast. So we'll see. Cool. Maybe we'll get a special guest. Be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, all right. Well, let's try to jump in where we were just kind of talking about current events, what's been going on. Of course, still out on the road with my moto van. I'm on my way to Georgia, so I'm stopping and riding and seeing the sights all the way from here to Georgia where my brother lives. And he told me the other day, he goes, while you're here, there's a GNCC race. So it looks like he might be dragging me to race a GNCC race. Oh man, that sounds epic. Yeah. Which round is it? Do you know? I I haven't even looked at it. I don't, he just told me a little bit ago. So I haven't even looked at it. You'll have to let us know, but that'd be, that'd be awesome. That's a bucket list for me. I want to go out and do one. Yeah, and, and that's why I'd probably do it, whether I do one lap or the whole race or whatever, just to at least say that I've done it. Heck, yeah. yeah. I'll cheerlead. Huh? So I'll cheerlead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard some horror stories. I've seen some horror stories on GNCC, but... Uh, and sounds, was, like, sounds like March is smarter than we are, Corndog. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hey. I know my, I know my realm, and that is not it. <laughs> uh, so I'm supposed to stop at a couple different places with buddies in Texas and go riding. So, um, yeah, took a little ride in Arizona the other day, um, just real quick. But trying to unload the bike as much as I can and see as much as I can. And then today, when I got here to March's house, he told me he wasn't going to do this podcast unless I went out on a razor ride with him. And oh my, 
I felt like I was in the Baja with Kellen Welch or Dakar. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. March hammered down. I'll be posting some videos. I think if they came out, I put my GoPro on the hood of his Razor and uh, haven't watched them yet because we jumped in right into here right when we got done riding. So uh, it was fun. So yeah, that's sweet. Dude. You need to keep track of how much fuel you burn this trip. How many gallons of gas you go through? Yeah, I thought about that, but I've already been past that. But I am tracking my <laughs> mileage. We did about eight in the razor in about 45 minutes. Yeah, that razor sucked up the fuel. I'll so bet. the first ride we went on, <laughs> we hit a berm, probably the only berm in this wash, and it ripped the tire off the, the rim. So we had to limp it back, change a tire. Oh, because... We had a spare tire, but somebody <laughs> forgot the jack. <laughs> he just wasn't planning on getting a flat. That's all. That's it. So yeah. we came back, changed the tire, and went back. And we're we're about a mile, two miles from the house, and his fuel light starts blinking. And he's like, "Man, I hope we don't run out of fuel." I'm like, man, you know how to entertain. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is, I've never. Never had a flat tire, and I've never run out of fuel, uh, ever. So it's me. So it's him. But I did not run out of fuel. <laughs> but I guarantee there's only fumes left in it. <laughs> but, yeah, that was great. It was great. And he even let me drive. And uh, probably not as aggressive or as fast as him because it's not mine. And I didn't want to pop a tire. But I had fun. I was smiling. Yeah, no, that's so good. So I'll try to, if the videos come out, I'll be posting them on my social media or whatever. <sighs> Hopefully the camera's in the right angle. Uh, so we got an email yesterday or today, or not an email, but a post on social media about the Nevada 200, kind of bragging about the staff. It was kind of cool to see. And uh, if you guys yeah, have that's, a, <clears throat> that's an awesome event. Scott Harden does a great job and uh, we've got a great staff and that was cool to see him post about the, the staff and those that are going to be there. But uh, yeah, sign up, come see us at the Nevada Tuner trail ride. Yeah. It's all about, all about camaraderie, bench racing, good single track trail riding and dirt bikes, man. A lot of fun. Uh, what else? Oh, I committed to the mint 400 again. So I will be racing in the over 40 class on a orange bike. What? Do you, do you even know how to ride one of those? I don't know. It's KTM 500. Dang, dude. Well, you're colorblind, so it won't matter. Right. <laughs> just, just act like it's blue. You'll be good. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, corn dog. No, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a good bike. That'll be fun. So we're racing on Jake Bozart's bike, and okay. then me, and then Happy Dave will be our third rider again. I had him a couple of years ago on my team. So uh, big thanks and shout out to Motorsports Safety Solutions for sponsoring us, and then we got Taco Moto on board, and working on a few other other uh, deals. Awesome. So kind of looking forward. It's going to cut my trip a little short. I hadn't planned on coming back to Vegas that soon, but um, hey, it's the race the Mint 400. I guess 
I guess I'll come back. <laughs> yeah, it's worth the trip back. Yeah. Uh, what else we got going on? Oh, were you going to talk about the Hare and Hound they had this last weekend? Yeah, so they had the uh, first round of the National Hare and Hound, the Winter Classic, out in Lucerne Valley. Um, I'll just give you the top ten and kind of give you a little rundown. But Dalton Shirey basically led wire to wire. He pulled the whole shot and uh, led both laps and got the W. Um, he's riding with a new team this year for Factory Rockstar Husqvarna, uh, coming off the. Um, I think it was a, he was on a satellite Husky team, but now he's factory and doing well. Um, Joe Wassum was kind of right on him, nipping at his heels 45 seconds back most of the way. Um, ultimately, I think Dalton got, got him by about two minutes, but Joe Wasson took second and Zane, Robert, Zane Roberts uh, rounded out the podium for third. <clears throat> and then uh, Ryan Surratt riding for JCR Honda. He came in fourth. Um, Moto Kid, I think, coming uh, coming out racing the desert stuff. So he's he's representing. And then Carter Klein uh, got a top five this week, which wow. he's nice. he's getting super fast, man. Super cool to see him ripping yeah. that hard. And then uh, first two fifty pro. In sixth place was Clayton Roberts, and um, he's ripping the last year or two. He's doing really well. They ended. He he was on the One X Baja team that that won this last year down there, and uh, so bright future for the Clayton Roberts. And then uh, Kay Tinkler Walker uh, in seventh as a Pro Two Fifty, and then Corbin McPherson. Eighth, Austin Serpa, ninth, and Axel Pearson, tenth. Um, nice. So yeah, pretty pretty uh, good run for those guys. Was that Huge the turn. the muddy the muddy race? Was was it really muddy there? <clears throat> I saw some pictures from a race that was really muddy. Um, am I thinking of something? No, else? that was the NGPC. That's right. NGPC. Or or work, it was, was it works or NGPC? NGPC. I think, I think it was, yeah. The NGPC yeah. was like super muddy on like kind of a grass track. Yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. No, the Heron Hound was out in the true desert race. Uh, the dirt was wet though, not a lot of dust. So these guys had a good good time, I think. Cool. So. Right on. Well, um, what about your your ride coming up doing the Baja series? You got anything to talk about that? Um, just, uh, more updates. we, uh, we've been finalizing, um, you know, sponsors and everything for it. Just trying to get everything, uh, squared away. I think we just got our gear contract the other day. So that, that came through and huge support from Bulletproof Designs. Those guys stepped up in a big way to help us out. Um, so just, yeah, finalizing all that team stuff and then i uh, should have should have the bikes back from the motor builders in the next week and then start focusing on suspension setup and just make sure they're dialed in um got a whole pile of parts sitting here in the living room next to me um <laughs> got our our light setup came in and 
and a whole bunch of stuff. So, but yeah, the dates, um, the San Felipe 250 is going to be the uh, 29th through the 2nd. So 29th of March through the 2nd of April. So you said the San Felipe was like March 29th, the start of the race? Yeah, yeah, March 29th through April 2nd. Is so, it a, just a one-day, actually one-day racing, but all the other days is like entry and awards and stuff like that? Tech inspection, yeah, exactly. So the race will be Saturday the 1st, and then uh, everything else is tech inspection and pre-running. Um I'll probably actually go down like March 22nd or 23rd and start pre-running. Pre-run don't, you mean, don't you mean we? Yeah, exactly. We. <laughs> I, Corn I'm, dog, Corn Dog's my, my uh, chase driver down there this year. So. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's fulfilling a bucket list big time. I appreciate, appreciate that. So I can't wait. It's marked in my calendar. We're, we're heading out like a week or two earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll go down the week before, pre-run all week, and then just kind of rest the week of tech and stuff. Make sure we know our section really well, and get a, get a day or two of rest before the race, and then go for it. Nice. Yeah, I'm so, stoked. So yeah, what's I, with all this rest? Huh? What's with all this rest? A rest? Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he won't be resting. I'm sure he'll be pacing the floors, yeah. studying his maps. Yeah. Uh, teaching me what to do. Teaching me Spanish. Is that the San Felipe 250 you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, I've ridden that area. So. Uh, on that note, um, I think we've covered everything. Um, yeah. I guess uh, Good. we can go into with March and hear his story. Yeah, March, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into to off road and and just want to you capture your history, man. Yeah, jeez. Uh, so I'm March Carger. Yeah, I'm, I'm March Carger. Uh, originally from Northern Minnesota, went in the Air Force uh, in 1990. I uh, grew up in a household where I was not allowed to ride motorcycles, uh, but my parents bought me a street bike for graduation, and uh, <clears throat> I started road racing uh, when I was in the Air Force in 1993. Uh, I road raced for about uh, three years or so until I ran out of student loan money, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um but in that meantime i had also bought a motocross bike so i could learn how to slide the rear end on my road race bike because that's always really smart to do at 140 miles an hour (laughs) but it did teach me it did teach me how to slide the rear end on on a road road race bike too so that that was a helpful technique but really expensive on tires uh and then I discovered that I, I loved riding in the dirt so much that I couldn't afford road racing anymore anyways. So I, I, I started racing motocross. Um, I guess that was around 1995 or Where six. Where was that at? That was, I was stationed in, at Edwards Air Force Base in uh, California. Mm-hmm. And which 
interestingly enough, everybody else hated being stationed there. And I, I loved it because it was a total moto playground. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah for um, sure. Especially and, in that, especially in that time. Yeah. And uh, so I, 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 I really learned a lot about, you know, riding off road and, and just basic techniques. I was, I was fortunate enough to, um, when I was stationed at Edwards, uh, the, we had a motocross track on base. So, I mean, I literally could just ride right from my house to the motocross track and just pound laps forever and ever. And it was a sand track. Wait, so they had a motor moto track on base. Yes. And, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, so, uh, the factory motocross teams, um, would come out and practice at our track on base before they went to Southwick each year. So, uh, I remember Jeff Emig and Mike Craig and Kudrowski and then, uh, of course, McGrath and Doug Henry, Steve Lampson, uh, those guys came out and, and, you know, we got to ride with them. We got to prep the track for them. We just, you know, got to sit there and awe and watch those guys ride. And we we're like, holy crap. Just like nothing I'd ever seen before on dirt. It. Yeah. yeah, that's wild. That's yeah. wild. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I, so I, I raced motocross there, but then I got in a bad accident and motocross accident and broke my hand off my arm and ended up getting uh, discharged from the air force because of that. And I was told that I would never ride anything with handlebars again in my life. So I listened to that for about a year or so. And I just, for whatever reason, I missed the feeling of riding a wheelie and I missed the feeling of jumping through the air. And I had uh, told my wife at the time, I said, you know what, I, <clears throat> I'm going to borrow a bike and I'm going to go back to Edwards Air Force Base because at that time I'd moved to Las Vegas. And uh, um, I said, I'm going to go ride a bike again. And, and if I can do it, if it doesn't hurt too bad, you know, I want to get back into it. So I rode uh, Saturday and Sunday over at Edwards and came home Sunday night. Uh, bike shops were closed on Monday and Tuesday. I bought my first Yamaha 426. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then, you know, like two weeks later, started racing Moran. And uh, my my first desert race I ever did was a Bushwhackers race up in Piouch. And that was not for me at all. I had no experience <laughs> in the trees at all. And that race whipped my ass and I think I picked my bike up 40 times that day. And interestingly <laughs> enough, I got the whole shot in my class. I, of course, to race the novice class, got the whole shot and went into the woods first and ended up clipping a tree with my handlebar and yard sailed. And so I was blocking the course because my bike was laid sideways across it. So I log jammed everybody. And then Max Stewart, uh, <clears throat> ended up ripping over my bike and tearing the seat cover off my brand new bike. <laughs> and then we met at the overland later that night and i mean i still play fantasy supercross with mac and his old family it's pretty funny nice what year was that that would have been in two uh 1999 or 2000 2000 i think hmm. yeah so 
and the sickness was born. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I loved the desert. It was awesome because, you know, for me, it combined the speed of road racing combined, you know, the, all of the, the, the off-road stuff that I loved as well. Um, I really had to learn to slow down to go faster and, you know, guys like Jeff Beck and, and some of those guys from back then, you know, I'd pass them, I'd, I'd crash. They'd pass me back, I'd pass them, I'd crash. Yeah. I mean, I spent my whole first season crashing and passing people until finally I figured out I, I got to slow down in order to mm-hmm. go faster. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, that, that's a whole different mentality that, you, that really had to be learned. Yeah. Skylar House talked to us about that. He had to do the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, of course, at that time, too, I was still 20, what, 24 years old and invincible. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't care if I just crashed. I'm going to get up and blitz again and pass everybody that I, that I, that just passed me while I was down. And, and I spent that first season doing that. And, you know, so that fact, being said, with you racing the Bushwhackers race, it wasn't for you, so you went and joined the Bushwhackers. Right. I, so the reason I ended up joining the Bushwhackers was because that was my first race ever, and I think that was their inaugural Bushwhackers race up in the pits up there in Pioche. Mm. And so I, I found out that you, you know, if you join a club, then it helps your points and all that stuff. Because <laughs> I decided I wanted to try and chase points. So I'm like, well, I want to join that club because I never want to ride that race again. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, it turned out to be a, a bunch of really great guys. And I I helped start that club with uh, Scott, Kevin Wilson, and Jay Rob and Kirk Stevenson. And, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. I can't remember who else necessarily. But it was fun. We had a, we had a really good time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Skyler was talking about that same thing with um, – so that Kirk Caselli kind of told him, look, dude, you got to – you got to back off and, and ride smooth, go slower to go fast. And he says, the more you do that, the better you'll get and the speed will come. But just racing up there and crashing your brains out every time, he says, that don't work. No, and, and you know, in, in road racing, so I, I, I remember my first road racing school I ever did. You know, I, I remember very specifically the, the instructor saying that, uh, you know, you, you can go slow in the slow stuff but you better go fast in the fast stuff because if you don't, that's where you really lose your time. Mm-hmm. And I think that what translated for me was you better go fast all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm racing. <laughs> I'm racing. So I better, you know, there's, I can't put a governor on myself here. I, I got, I got to rip whenever I can. So, <laughs> you know, well, I think that's true. I think that's true in desert too. The, you know, as I kind of process what you said there, but there, like I kind of relate it to that. There's sections where you just got to get through it, and there's no sense in crashing your brains out and and hauling through it because it's so rough. But there's other sections where you can go fast, and that's where you need to go fast and make up the time. And yeah, sometimes I'm... sometimes it's easy to get complacent at a comfortable speed in the fast stuff, and it's like, okay, no, I need to go fast where I can go fast. And go slow when it's time to go slow, but really knowing the difference is is what makes the difference. I think you know. Well, I think that that was you know once I kind of figured that out a little bit and, and understood 
all right, where, where my strengths and weaknesses are, of course, and, you know, where we can, we always want to work on our weaknesses and get faster there, but understanding that, okay, rock gardens aren't the place where you should blitz in fourth gear. Maybe you do need to tiptoe through there in second gear. Um, you know, same thing with yep. blast, blasting through the trees. Uh, maybe you should slow down for a, you know, a little smarter pace instead of tagging trees all over the place. Instead of bouncing off them left and right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know? that, that first Bushwhackers race, I was like a pinball through the trees. It was crazy. <laughs> Come out and you look like you got in a fight with a tiger. <laughs> yeah. I, I can tell you trees hurt. There was a time in my, that if there was one tree in a whole race course, I'd find it. Well, I, I discovered that uh, Joshua trees don't move. Uh, <laughs> I think in searchlight, my first time I ever raced there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. so racing moran how how did you do or how long did you race moran and how did you do overall um over the years um i did okay i i uh i think i raced novice one year and then i moved to amateur the next year and i i overalled a couple amateur races i remember i i overalled the sndr race their uh their heron hound i got a bitching hole shot across that cow pasture that was all sand washed out and it was in Panaka, right yeah yep. Panaka. that was a kind, kind of a gnarly start but it, they some, still start there somehow i was able to get into the uh the sand wash first and i just never looked back ripped it so cool fortunately nice. i had a pretty clean ride that day but, but then i did uh move up to the expert class the next year um and then I, I raced in the expert class and um, at the same time, I was racing a lot of motocross during that time as well. Um, so I was chasing, you know, the, the Grand Prix championships within Moran. I was racing Heron Hound in the desert, uh, the desert series as well. And I won the Grand Prix championship. I won a Heron Hound series as well. Um, I think the highest number I ever got in just the regular open class in Moran was a number five. Um, I wasn't that great. <laughs> I had fun. That's pretty respectable, though. Back in that day, there was no pro class. It, the expert class was, um, you know, that was everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's respectable. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, Corndog was just telling me that you were riding with uh, Trent Sandoval, and I was like, holy cow, I can remember, you know, Bulldogging and, and, and Billy Goat riding with, with him and Nick and Russ Pearson um, uh -huh. up, up at the, 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 the far end, the west end of Ann Road before there was any 215 out there. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had some pretty awesome loops out at the, in that mountain range out there. And then same thing with the mountain range, the, the the sheep mountain range in the south end or north end of town too. Top of Jones. Yeah, we had a couple of awesome <clears throat> training routes up there, training training loops up there. Yeah, you can't even get over there now. No. Yeah. But uh, now and then after you know after racing motocross and, and desert racing and all that, then supermoto had kind of it started to emerge on the scene and and. I, I saw it one time and I was just like, holy cow. I, I, I bought everything to build a supermoto bike before I'd ever even ridden 
Because that's kind of like both of your worlds, yeah, street bike and dirt bike. Yeah, that's that's road racing and motocross and flat track and and all that stuff. So really, it's it's your forte. Yeah, it's whoever has the most all around bike skills really does well, and uh, it was it it was a lot of fun, and so. Well, then that, going, that grew into something pretty big there for a while. It did, and and uh, and and actually, um, I was lucky enough to be a part of that whole explosion, and uh, I started a supermoto racing series out in uh, at the go kart track out in Sloan in two thousand five. I did an eight race series that I held out there. No, 2004, pardon me, uh, 2004. And then I had some issues with the track owners because bikes were starting to kind of tear up the go-kart track a little bit and they didn't want to renew my contract. So they wanted to put a bunch of stipulations in it. So I told them to pound sand and I just had the idea that um, I was going to create the equivalent to the Mammoth Mountain Motocross uh, Invitational for Supermoto even though I'd never been to Mammoth, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd read about it in the magazines and seen videos and stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? I want to do something like that for Supermoto. So I had created that concept in my brain for whatever reason. And um, 2005, I put on my first major event out of Buffalo Bills. And I think the first year I got like 400 riders that came out from wow. from from all over. And then 2007 was my, my biggest uh, year uh, promoting that event. And uh, I had riders from 29 U.S. states, uh, 13 different countries around the world. Um, every single factory racing team uh, was at my event. Uh, I think we had almost 800 riders. And it was, it was a lot. It was a big deal. And... Uh, <clears throat> As I said, uh, there's there's video out there somewhere of me on YouTube. I know that they did an interview, and I said it's it's like continuously trying to herd cats. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were running your supermoto, did you partake in race, or did you just you were the? No, I I was uh, so bright. I decided that I would also race too. Um, <laughs> uh, I although I I only so on I was a four day event so. Thursdays, I uh, would have uh, a riding school, a racing school on Thursdays. Then Friday, we'd have uh, some practice. And then that afternoon, we had team races, uh, which was really, really like herding frantic cats. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so I would race in the team race on Friday afternoons. But then, you know, Saturday and Sunday was way too hectic for me to be participating as a, as a racer also. Right. So, um but it was it was awesome. It was it was a lot of fun. And uh, interestingly enough, the AMA had been contacting me continuously since about 2005 when I had my first event and wanted my event to be part of the pro racing series. And I just I, I said no because I very specifically put on an event that was for the amateurs and pros, but. It wasn't just a race. It was an event. I mean, Saturday night we had a rock card, rock concert with a pit party and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like a carnival and a race at the same time. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, and it was nice because I had it out there at Buffalo Bills and Prim. So everybody could stay there. Um, you know, it was very self-contained. It was, it was awesome. In fact. So how many years did you have that event? I did that from 2005 until 2008 and I sold it in 2008. And, and did it continue after you <laughs> sold it? Or? It, it did continue as a, uh, from what I've been told, a, a shell of what it was previously. Um, I mean, I would get calls every year from from racers saying, hey, would you please take this back over? You know, this is just a club race now. And, mm. and uh, you know, and I, I felt bad for some of the guys that, that were racing it because I was also <laughs> friends with those guys and I raced with them in Southern California and other places too. So, you know, I mm. I knew what the quality of racing that they were doing was like and it was not the equivalent of the races that i put on hmm. but so is supermotor even still going on or did it kind of fizzle out so um it is well actually i don't know if there's any supermotor racing at all anymore the problem was is it was too difficult for people to find places to race and 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 for promoters to put races on it it was very cost prohibitive to put races on because you have to basically you know, build all the infrastructure for a race facility to even put a race on. I mean, they, they did have races at some go-kart tracks. Um, uh, Willow Springs in California, one of their tracks had uh, uh, some supermoto races at it that was really awesome because it was on the side of the mountain. And, uh, but the, but the uh, dirt section at that race was um, not very motocrossy. You know, you could definitely tell the races that you went to what type of racing background the promoter had because that's what the dirt sections were like. So us, us motocross guys had really challenging uh, dirt sections, you know, with jumps and, and stuff like that. And the, the guys that had more of purely road racing backgrounds had <clears throat> more of a TT style uh, flat track kind of dirt sections off road and with with like maybe one or two just little little ski jump kind of things. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, was, I remember vividly. I remember those events out in Vegas. I was I was down there that time, and that was something I always wanted to try, but never really got into. But an older buddy of mine, Dave Faircloth, he used to race them quite frequently. And anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was popping there for a little while, like. I think Travis Pastrana come out and you had yeah. uh, uh, Kerry Hart and all those guys. Like it was big scene for a while. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to ride with all those guys and, and uh, <laughs> mad Mike Jones. I don't know if you remember him. He was, oh, a, yeah. he was one of the original freestyle guys. Oh yeah. He clipped a handlebar trying of mine, trying to squeeze in uh, he, basically tried to just kamikaze dive inside of me and on a probably like a we we're about a 40 or 50 mile an hour corner clipped my or my my inside handlebar and shot me off the high side and i went tumbling down the track i was not happy i'm still not a fan of mike jones after that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i certainly did the kiss of death on, on my front fender that day you were the one doing tricks, huh? Yeah, un un <laughs> un un unintentionally. <laughs> uh, but uh, I know when you were doing that supermoto um, out there, 
somebody had called me and I can't remember quite what it was, but wanted me to come out and work the event with you or for you or something. Mm-hmm. Might even have been you. I don't remember. But I don't remember what happened either work or something. Something was going on. I couldn't make it. Yeah. Uh, that that race, that event, you know, it, it grew. I mean, it, it's crazy. <clears throat> I intentionally tried to grow it and it, it grew beyond my expectations even. So I was um, initially started it while I was working full time as a construction project manager and started that on the side. And by 2006, it had gotten so big that, uh, you know, I, I didn't have time to work at my real job anymore and, and decided to take the chance and, and go out on my own and, and just be a race promoter. And, uh, and I did well enough to support my family and, and uh, continue the event for about three years after that. And uh, then the economy started to tank in 2008. And, you know, too many outside uh, factors that, that I couldn't control started to inch into, you know, the feasibility of whether or not I could make the event profitable. So I ended up selling it. And, uh, and then, <clears throat> interestingly enough, because of all my, my experience with, with that event, all the connections and contacts and everything, I ended up uh, transitioning industries completely and uh, went into the technology industry as a program manager uh, for a company and oversaw their entire power sports vertical. So uh, the OEM manufacturers, the aftermarket parts distributors, and the, and the dealers were all our customers because we did uh, websites and e-commerce platforms for all of them. And uh, so, you know, with that, you know, my responsibility there was to basically interface between the OEMs and the aftermarkets and, and, and the dealers. And, you know, with that came, you know, going to all of the OEM industry functions, you know, all of KTM's dealer ride days. So I was fortunate enough to, I've written it probably five or six different uh, of national motocross tracks that that uh you know that the that they race at and, and i was fortunate enough to be able to do it on somebody else's dime and uh you know so that was that was awesome uh additionally i got to go down to baja and ride three different times um with the tucker rocky group and uh one of the times you know malcolm smith is is basically the mayor of baja of the baja peninsula he gives back so much to the to the Baja community, it's it's incredible, and uh, so I, I was fortunate enough to be able to ride literally for like six hours, just two feet off Malcolm's rear wheel all day, going through all these different parts of Baja that only, you know, you'd, you'd never find them on on any app or any map or anything like that. It's just Malcolm's got all these different little trails and washes and all that stuff just buried away in his head and no markings. We'd just be out and we'd turn off one spot onto another trail and turn off to another spot. And Mm. the next thing we know, we're at some tiny little cantina. There was a group of about uh, eight or 10 of us that were riding with, with Malcolm and, uh, and Alex's son, Alex and his daughter also, which I can't recall her name right now. Um, But he ended up taking us to lunch out at some little cantina in the middle of nowhere. And uh, 
and it was it was just it was an epic day yeah you um, just showed me a picture of that you guys are sitting there at the table we'll have to post it on our social media and stuff. yeah yeah so uh you know all of us are sitting there having a beer and malcolm's having a coffee <laughs> and it's and it's you know 90 degrees outside well tell me <laughs> the story that you told me a little earlier today about alex breaking down or oh so that was a buddy of mine uh, tony thurlow uh, I brought him down with me one time and there's some really twisty gnarly sandwash. It's called the spider or spider web or something like that somewhere on the, the, the coast of Baja. <clears throat> and, you know, they're just ripping right up it. And I was about fourth in line or something like that out of like probably 20 of us. Well, my buddy Tony was towards the back and, uh, Oh God, that's a whole nother story. Anyways, <laughs> um, so anyways, we're going up this thing called the spider web or whatever it was. And my buddy Tony burned his clutch out on his, uh, either 426 or 450. I can't remember, but, uh, Malcolm and Alex with just tools they had in their fanny pack, we took, we laid his bike down, you know, in the middle of the desert and, uh, <clears throat> they ended up cutting a couple of the fiber, uh, discs in his clutch and doubling them up and uh, enough so that we could at least get him back to a main road and then he he and i had to go on this road for like the last 10 miles hmm. to get down to where we were staying that night and i ended up pushing him pushing him with one leg <laughs> for like seven miles and i wanted to kill him <laughs> <laughs> but just they did all that just with the bare minimum tools they had in their fanny bag yeah uh, they used a, a, a file from a leatherman um and to cut a fiber a fiber plate in half i think two of them I, his clutch was so shot they had to cut two of his fiber plates in half <laughs> to double it up so it was like a four pack basically wow. and uh and and it was enough to at least get us to limp limp him to a road and then i had to push his ass the rest of the way wow. <laughs> yeah um so that was the same day I just remembered we we're ripping down the beach in Baja and I'd never ridden on the beach before. And I, I saw these random cars out on the beach and I thought that's odd. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm doing about 60 and all of a sudden at the very last second, I see a fishing line that's, that's, that's like right at neck level and I and I like ducked as hard as I could and I remember smashing my face on my handlebars I ducked so hard uh, so I didn't you know run into the fishing line, line close line the fishing yeah. line and then we're riding down the beach a little <laughs> farther and and I just remember thinking god something really stinks here I you know it's not just your typical you know ocean breeze type something really stunk and we came around this 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 bend on the beach and there's a beached whale it was big i mean it was like 10 or 15 feet tall and, wow. about, and about 40 feet long but wow. it didn't have a head on it and uh so we we're cruising along in like fourth gear and you know that they're just so tacky you can just wheelie at will in fourth gear on the beach down there mm -hmm. and i saw this beached whale and i was like holy crap i'm gonna jump that thing so <laughs> i literally i literally just rode up the back of this thing on its tail and just rode all the way across the top of it and then jumped off of it 
you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't have a head. And I just launched off of it, like just a flat land out into the sand. And uh, Tony Thurlow was riding ne next to me. And he goes, I can't believe you did that. He goes, I could just see your front end just slamming into it, digging in, and, and you just being covered in blubber. and Sucked just... into a dead well. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I never even thought of that. <laughs> and no. he's like, you know, we didn't have it on video or anything like that. And he goes, nobody would ever believe that story was true if I wasn't here to see it. Mm. Yeah, that would be crazy. awesome. Video. Well, we always ask for some crazy Baja stories. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that one's that one's up there for sure in the top five. <laughs> uh so I have two more. Uh one of the other times I was down there with this Tucker Rocky group, um it had rained kind of the misted most of the night, so the dirt was awesome and uh, no dust. So I'm I go out with the second group. There's three groups and there's about fifteen to twenty guys in each group. Well, I ended up leading the second group unintentionally. And uh, we did this spot and it's just kind of spot ribboned. And uh, so we're, we're coming around like the, the point of this, this little mountain ridge, but I see ribbons and stuff off to the left. So I end up taking that trail and sure enough, it's all marked. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really marked way better than they said it was going to be. That's odd. And uh, we did like a 10 mile loop and I thought, man, this thing is a little bit beat up in some spots. It's, you know, three, four foot deep whoops in some places. And, um, you know, we come back around and I'm like, well, where is everybody? And, and uh, so I started following the markings again, not realizing I'd already been there. And <laughs> I, I got about a mile down the road or down this trail. And I was like, I think I've already been here, but I didn't want to turn around and go backwards against the course because I didn't want to run into anybody that was potentially coming that way. So I hauled ass to, to complete the loop again. And then I realized that you could barely make out the, the, the motocross tracks or the, the bike tracks that went around the, the edge of this mountain. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, oh my gosh, everybody went that way. And now I'm way behind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm in, Baja, the middle of nowhere. I don't have any mapping devices. I, I don't know where I'm at. And I, I speak marginal Spanish at best. And uh, so anyways, I'm following tracks and I come to a Federale checkpoint in the middle of nowhere by myself, just mm -hmm. out in this dirt, just out on this dirt road in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I'm thinking as I'm pulling up, cause there's no way I can turn around and go back. Cause I don't know where the hell to go anyways. Uh, so I'm thinking, great, these guys are going to steal my bike, take all my gear, my helmet, and I'm going to be stuck in the middle of nowhere in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I spoke enough Spanish to them to where they they let me go, and I didn't have any money anyway. So, I mean, I was really in a bad position. And uh, they told me that I was about 45 minutes to an hour behind the group. <laughs> so I caught up to them in about an hour and 15 minutes. I, when we talk about going fast, I, all I was doing was, was following those tracks and <laughs> I put the hammer down as hard as I could to try and catch everybody. <laughs> Didn't want to be left alone. No, no, that was, that was interesting. Jeez. Yeah. And then the next day we all went out for another ride and I was with a, a different group 
and I was not leading. And whoever was ended up getting us onto some pot farm that <laughs> that we didn't know where we were. And we figured out where we figured out that we weren't supposed to be there. And we we got the hell out of there and eventually found some sort of a course. And that ended up taking us back to the course that we were supposed to be on. But that was pretty unnerving as well. <laughs> yeah. Start hearing machine guns firing. And well, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Being a blonde hair, blue eyed American, I don't, who doesn't speak that much Spanish wasn't uh, a real secret. I wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So. Never raced Baja, though. Just went down no, the road. No, but I did ride about uh, 20 or 30 miles of the Baja course, and that was enough for me to determine I never need to race there again. <laughs> or never even race there at all. <laughs> so, yeah. have fun with that, Eric. Yeah. Every year, he likes it. For some reason, it's it just keeps calling my name. Yeah, I know. I've got several. It's a love hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Where else do you want to go? Um, I mean, best in the desert stuff. Yeah, you you told me you raced some best in the desert, and what was the other one that you said? um, Superstition. The the Nevada One Thousand or something. Yeah, I I I raced the I raced uh, Vegas to Reno. I think four times. I raced. The Baja 1000, uh, Tonopah 300. I, I teamed up uh, with with Max Stewart and Jason Truby. We were racing the over 30 expert class in uh, the Tonopah 300. I think this would have been like around 2004 or five. And we ended up working our way into fifth overall physical position. We were all the way up into the pros. Wow. And all three of us were having a really good day. Um, but Jason brings the bike into me and I was uh, going to take it the last 70 miles into the finish. And, and uh, he goes, something's wrong. So we, you know, spitting and popping, we changed the air filter, you know, uh, and thought hopefully that would clear it up. So I take off on the bike. I'm like two miles out from the pit and things starts popping and you know, sputtering and so I mm-hmm. pull the clutch in and I'm trying to clean it out. It was a KTM 520 and uh, I'm trying to 525. I don't remember, but uh, so I'm trying to clear the, the carb out and, uh, and then I, I just engage the clutch again and I'm, and I'm going all of a sudden it like really caught and then just launched me off this, some, some big drainage dike oh. and I'm about 40 feet in the air looking down at, all these boulders underneath uh-huh. me and I was just like, this is going to suck. Uh-huh. And I ended up crashing in the boulders below. And then some guy comes up behind me and his eyes were like huge. And, <laughs> and he goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm just pissed off. And, you know, <laughs> I said, let me just get my bike. I said, let me just get my bike up. And, and, uh, and then he goes, and his eyes just got huge, like saucers. And he goes, dude, I'm like, what? Like I was, I, I was mad, mad. and uh, he goes, your arm. And it was just freaking spurting blood, like six feet in the air. Holy cow. And, and, uh, and he goes, we, we got to do something. So we ended up taking the, uh, we cut the bottom of my Jersey off and tourniqueted my arm. Um, I decided my day was, the race was done and ended up going back to the, to the, to the pits. And I, I got out to the road 
and went back to the pits and they were just leaving the pits and they're like, what the hell are you doing here? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, the bike's a piece of crap. And uh, (laughs) about killed me. Yeah. So I'm all rashed up and and all that. And we decide, okay, we're done. We load the bike up. Like, well, I, you know, we got to get you to the hospital, the the, the Caliente, or no, the the Tonopah hospital. And I said, well, I know exactly what they're going to do before when we get there i said we're going to the bar before we go to the hospital (laughs) (laughs) so i was like i i've I've had gravel scraped out of me brushed out of me before Uh, i i know how much that sucks so we went and had a few jägermeisters and barley pops and then i went over and (laughs) got that taken care of that sucked (laughs) (laughs) and that was the what race was that? The Tonopah? Yeah, that was Tonopah 300. 300. Yeah. Uh, but uh, how'd, you, how'd you like that KTM 520, 525? Uh, I did the biggest jump of my <laughs> life. Uh, I think it was in that race. It was either that race or the, the uh, Vegas to Reno. Um, somewhere, somewhere up around... I can't recall specifically, but I remember we were paralleling the highway on a power line road that was just going up and down and just rollers forever. And I remember I was in six gear tapped on the 520 and one of the rollers was not a roller. It was a drop off. Mm. And I remember just pulling up as hard as I could. As soon as I, as soon as I left, I realized, oh crap, this is, this is going to suck. And, and you, you tell yourself that a lot don't you oh yeah yeah and, and I'm, I'm flying through the air and i mean it's it's one of those you know sand washes in the middle of of rollers because it's it's cross grain off the mountain opposite direction of of the uh the race course mm-hmm. and uh where most of them were rollers there was one that was just an absolute cutout of a sand wash that went almost straight down like 60 or 80 feet across and then straight back up. And mm. I was just like, Oh my God. I, I just remember flying through the air and squeezing as hard as I could with my, with my knees. And uh, I just cased the lip of the other side and I rebounded at least 15 feet in the air and probably flew another 60 feet. Wow. And I landed. I, I remember I had the gas pinned when I landed and uh, just thought to myself, well, I didn't die. <laughs> let's, let's get after uh, it. So you didn't crash? You, you no, didn't I didn't crash. No, wow. I didn't crash. And I was just like, well, I guess, uh, I guess it's not my day to get hurt. So let's get after it. Wow. <laughs> I've been, I've been there. Well, I guess I didn't die. So keep it, keep the gas on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, you know and i remember talking to russ pearson one time and uh i'm like so you know russ what's what's the difference between you know your level and my level and he goes you know that 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 sick to your stomach feeling you get when you just about really eat shit i'm like yeah he goes well i ride with that all the time (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just just like that doesn't sound fun at all (laughs) and uh you know, and I remember after my, my daughter was born, I could not charge the dust anymore. I, I I discovered that I had to hang up my desert racing boots because I just couldn't be competitive because I couldn't take the chances anymore. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, and, and racing motocross and supermoto is different because you can see where you're going. <laughs> and even on a motocross track, it does change somewhat from lap to lap. You still got an ambulance right oh, there. There's, and, there's every time we put a leg over the bike, I say it all the time, we're taking a risk. Yeah. And but you can't sit on the couch either. No. I mean, I, I could have either been, you know, fat on the couch or fat on my bike. I might as well, <laughs> might as well go out and have some fun. Right, right. Uh, well, speaking of Russ, didn't you say you helped him one of his years or a couple of his years supporting him or something? Yeah, when he was when he was racing for his factory Yamaha stuff, uh, doing the Heron Hound Championships, I helped him with his program somewhat. I helped him uh, negotiate some of his deals with some of his sponsors and stuff like that. And, um, you know, Russ is an awesome dude, faster than I'll get out, you know, but didn't, he's just not a business guy. And, mm. and, you know, that, that was my background, you know, this is business and, and, you know, that's why I was able to put my racing event together and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so nice. yeah. And, that's cool. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I've, I've, uh, you know, I thought I was going to step away from racing and I like officially retired from racing in I think 2011 or 12 and not because I got hurt or anything like that, but just because I had other obligations in life. My, my daughter was, you know, young and playing soccer and I was a soccer coach and, you know, I just had thought that I had had my fun. I needed to, you know, devote I needed to be a dad. That's all there is to it. I just needed to be a dad and, and make it about my daughter. And that's what I did. Um, so I would have liked to have raced longer, but at the same time, I'm thankful that I didn't get any more hurt than I did. Um, I mean, anybody that's raced any amount of time, especially in the desert, I mean, you know, we've all got our bumps and bruises and breaks for sure. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, I will say the one that probably ranks maybe the highest in my recollection is I, I raced the superstition 250 down um in el centro california by mexico with jason truby and uh the locals had booby trapped the course and i hit a booby trap at about 70 miles an hour and ate mm. hellacious shit and uh <clears throat> the locals of course they got they got to see me crash but I was so messed up that they had to physically, like four or five guys had to physically pick me up and put me on the bike. And I had to explain to them how to start a, a, a I think it was a 426 that we were racing. Everybody who's ever raced one of those knows what a chore those are to start when they're hot. <laughs> uh, but I just remember getting back on the bike and I was coughing up blood and, and I had such a bad concussion. I was like having to shake my head like every 10 15 seconds to try and refocus and uh but you know 30 seconds later i'm back in sixth gear again and, <laughs> and I, i'm like yeah i'm really i'm really banged up but i gotta get the bike back to jason yeah. and uh so so that's what i did but um i ended up breaking uh my sternum in three ribs mm -hmm. and got a bad concussion and uh but at the same time, I was leading the, the Grand Prix points mm. um, in Moran. So I had to race Rainbow Canyon the next weekend. <laughs> so I remember uh, we ended up taking um, 
duct tape and ace bandages and duct taping for me from my waist to my armpits um <laughs> so i could so i could race that that race um and i think i ended up getting third that day because i i just i i was in such pain i couldn't even hardly ride uh, and but I, I did end up winning that phenomenal plastic trophy at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So the booby trap, what was it? A hole in the ground? Yeah, I, it was, it was some hole in the ground with a bunch of, you know, they, they dug a hole in the ground and, and covered it, but it was on the opposite side of a, of a sand wash that, that we were jumping. Mm. Um, and because the, the, we got one practice lap. And so one site lap and the course was like uh, 30, 40 miles long. Went out on a site lap. There was nothing there. You know, I was, you know, sighting it out. I, I didn't jump this, this uh, wash on my site lap, but I knew for, I could easily jump it in fifth gear coming around the next time and uh, came around and there was a booby trap and I really ate crap. That sucked. Wow. <laughs> That so sounds crazy. like all my stories are talking about eating shit, and that's not good. <laughs> I, I, I don't want I don't want it to go down like that because I had a, a ton of phenomenal times racing, and and you know, um, well, tell us a good story. Uh, well, I will those tell are you. good stories. Those, those are good stories, but they just keep coming. And, and uh, thinking, <laughs> I, I drove to uh, Butte, Montana, to race this this one supermoto race. Um, through the city streets of Butte, Montana, they have Evil Knievel Days every year up there. Mm. And I remember I my, my daughter was four at the time, and, and it was just her and I that went up there. And I raced three classes, and um, it was really awesome because we literally were racing right through downtown, through city blocks. They had things blocked off, and it was, it was fun. And uh, I won my... My, I won my race and I'm on the cool off lap and uh, you know, it's right downtown and, and you have to go down one, one street and then there's a 180 and you have to come back up the other side of the same street. And there's thousands of people in there yelling, wheelie, wheelie. And well, who am I not to do a wheelie for them? <laughs> so I ripped this bitch and wheelie all the way down the block. But at the end of the block, I had to set it down because it turned 90 degrees and went uphill to the left. Well, when I set the front end of the bike down in a fourth, fourth gear wheelie, uh, I set it right on top of a manhole cover in the street. <laughs> and, but, I, but I was already committed to turning. And, and it totally just washed the bike out on me. And, yeah. and uh, I just remember feeling like Pee Wee Herman when he crashed into that that car on his bicycle and I like jumped up and, and, and like, you know, put both my hands up and waved everybody and, and, uh, crowds going wild. Crowds going wild. I get back on the bike. I rip a wheelie up the hill. And then as soon as I get over the hill where nobody can see me, I'm like, Holy crap, I am hurting. I, <laughs> I thought I broke my thumb and, uh, but I still had two races to do that weekend. So I spent the rest of that weekend with my hand in a bucket of ice whenever i wasn't on the motorcycle but uh and then after, after that i had to drive all the way back to vegas from from butte montana <laughs> another crash story yeah um 
the places dirt bikes take us, man. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, I was well, well, corn dog and I, I was, I was trying to look through some old photos and stuff like this, and um, <laughs> one of my last races I ever raced uh, was a supermoto race, and uh, it was at the South Point, and the the road race part was was outside in in a couple of different parking lots tied together and it was super slippery i remember that but the the dirt section was a full-on like stadium motocross supercross kind of section inside the arena there at south point mm. and uh anyways i ended up winning my class um again i'd crashed in i had two classes back to back and um i over jumped one of the jumps in inside the stadium and ended up going over the back of the berm while the bike came over on top of me and, and i thought i broke my hand again that time and uh but i had a another race back to back right after that one mm. so uh anyways i raced I, I wasn't going to and then i said you know what i'm i'm here i might as well so i raced it get the whole shot and let it wire to wire and the, the best part of it is at the end I'm, I'm on the podium i've got this you know and i'll send this picture to you <laughs> i'm on the podium i'm 34 i think at the time 35 something like that and two kids that are on the podium one's one's 18 and one's 19 <laughs> and i've got my daughter with me on the podium <laughs> and the funny thing is that she's got an sndr uh desert racing t-shirt on <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So, huh. I don't know. I, I I can tell you right now that uh, I had posted something the other day. I'm I'm a drummer also, besides being a motorcycle fiend. And uh, but I had my uncle has sent me something and, and said something about you know motorcycles and and all this and lifestyles. And I had posted that I'm pretty certain that I can attribute at least. 80 to 90% of my friends to either motorcycles or music one way or the other. Yeah. And that's, and that's totally true. I mean, all the, all the friends that are the, the longest lasting uh, are, are definitely either through motorcycling or through music. And, and I just, I was telling Dave, every time I think that I'm going to end up, you know, somehow walking away from the sport, not necessarily intentionally, um, I get sucked back in. And so we, we moved down here to New Mexico. We're at a restaurant and we just so happened the people that we're at this restaurant with, the, the wife knows this lady who stops by, who's got this young girl with her. Uh, she looked like she's about 15 ish and, and she's got a rhino power jacket on. I was like, Ooh, that's cool. I, I guess maybe your boyfriend races. And, and, but then I see she's got a motocross t-shirt on too. And it was the, the week of, it was like Wednesday before Anaheim won. And, uh, I just said to her, I'm like, so are you excited about the race this weekend? Just to see gauge her and see if she knew what I was talking about. And she's like, oh yeah. And she just like starts getting right into it. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, so you ride? And she's like, yeah. And, and, uh, they said that, you know, we're really trying to find her a coach, but we can, we don't have any, we can't find anybody. And this and that and i said well i've i've coached other kids in motocross and so i'd be more than happy to work with you so it's her dream to go to loretta lynn's and she wants to ride at loretta lynn's and uh you know i i told her i said she's 14 and uh i said i think that you know 
in two years, I think that you can get there. I said, I need to work with you for at least, you know, another full season. And, and I told her, I said, you're going to, you're going to hate hearing the word fundamentals. <laughs> I said, but fundamentals are what wins races. And, uh, I said, and you can look as cool as you want going over the jumps. I said, but you better be fast in between them <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's what wins races. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so have you worked with her personally yet or are you still yeah. setting that up? Nope. Nope. I've, uh, <clears throat> worked with her twice. Um, once at, at a motocross track here. And then once we went out in the desert and I said, have you ever done a turn track before? She's like, well, I've seen kind of these things out in the desert. And I said, no, I mean a turn track. <laughs> and uh, she says no I said well we're going to burn a turn track in I said and we're going to burn a turn track in and that's what we're doing <laughs> I said you're going to hate doing circles but this is where you're going to win races yeah nice so, yeah that's cool wow yeah so it's 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 fun and and uh you know and along the way too I I guess I'm skipping around here but I've been very involved with, with, after I quit racing Best in the Desert, uh, I also became involved with, with Track On, which is Daryl Folks's uh, off-road adventure tour company. And uh, I became involved with him with, with doing his website for him and some of his social media and, and marketing and, and business development type stuff. But I also have guided some tours and, and you know, rode, rode chase on tours and pitted and all that good stuff uh i've only ever been lost in the desert in nevada twice in my life and once was guiding a tour for daryl for track on, <laughs> on christmas eve day out at nelson hills uh it was like 38 degrees it's raining it's crappy and i've ridden at nelson a, a bunch i know my way around uh we got up to the top uh, i took this this guy who was a, a total novice um, and I said, okay, well, we'll, you know, I'll get you up. And he says, I, I've heard about this tower. I want to go up to this tower. So, so I can, I can get you up there and, and, uh, you know, not the fun way, not the Billy goat way. We're just going to take, <laughs> we're going to take the roads and we'll get up there two track stuff. And, and, uh, <clears throat> so we get up there. Well, when we were up there, the most intense thick fog bank came in on us. And the crazy thing is, is we watched it blow our way and it happened in a matter of less than a minute wow and it was so thick that basically could only see about four feet in front of us and we're so we're coming i told him i said we need to come down off the mountain and and try to start working our way back well i didn't know it but another group of of riders out at nelson hills had been out that morning also so because i i couldn't see any of my any of my landmarks out there mm -hmm. I ended up following these other tracks, which I thought were our tracks. Mm. And, uh, and I knew after about 20 minutes, uh, we were going the wrong way, but I couldn't see where to go. Mm. And, and the other thing is I was hogtied because this, I, I could have gotten us back there on some, some gnarly single track stuff, but this guy that was with me couldn't do it. New rider. Mm -hmm. So I had to stay on the easy stuff. And you know, the, the staying in the easy stuff out of Nelson is kind of hard to connect your way back to some places. And uh, when we came over this, this one ridge and I saw the Colorado river about a mile away, I was like, Oh shit, we, we are way off course here. And we were parked over at the, the pit area where the, where the hill climbs are and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and it was uh, getting to be um, dark. And it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, gets dark at about 4.20. And I just told this guy that I was riding with, and it was Christmas Eve, mind you. I said, do you want to spend the night in bed with your wife tonight? And he said, yes. I said, well, then you're gonna have to trust me. I said, <laughs> you are going to get way outside of your comfort zone and you're going to become a better rider within the next 20 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, we got to take a quick break here real quick and we come back to finish up this story and talk some more. All right. What's up everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the desert dirt biker podcast. We're here for another episode and, uh, just got to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, the people that keep this thing rolling and keep us going. That's uh, Takamoto. Thanks, Mike, over at Takamoto, stepping up huge, supporting the podcast. We love what you guys are doing as well, kicking out awesome products and parts for KTMs and uh, trail bikes, Hondas, whatnot. So if you guys are in the market for parts, fuel pumps, hard parts, they got all kinds of stuff. Go check them out. They got great pricing. And you never know. Mike likes to hook people up too. So. Takomoto, Takomoto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty cool too to see, tune in to the Dakar and see Takomoto on some of the bikes over there and riders. Yeah, he's supporting some of the biggest teams over there. Mason Klein, Skyler House. Um, he's also supporting some of the bigger teams in Baja. So get his name out. <clears throat> yep. He's, he's doing well. He's definitely put in the time to develop some awesome parts and, um, bike setups. They do repairs. They do all kinds of stuff guys. So, um, go check him out. He's got tons and tons of YouTube videos with great content. Anyway, we can't thank you enough for your support on the show. We love it. We love you guys. Thank you. Go check out tacomoto.co. Tacomoto CO. Tacomoto, Tacomoto. Hey, we are back. Are you there, Eric? I am. Okay, cool. Well, Mark said there's a little bit more to that story he we left off on. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyways, I'm with this this novice rider. I'm leading a uh I'm, I'm i'm the trail boss guiding a tour for track on um it's just myself and this other guy he's from Pen uh new jersey and uh anyways as i stated it's like 3 30 in the afternoon and it's getting dark it's been raining out all day um i did bring survival gear with me just for the off chance something horrible went wrong which was almost <laughs> which was almost coming to fruition and uh anyways i just pointedly asked this guy i said hey do you want to do you want to spend the night at the uh win in the same bed with your wife tonight i said or do you want to sleep under some wet bush with me out here in the middle <laughs> in, in, in some canyon at, at nelson hills <laughs> And he goes, I, I really would like to spend the night with my wife. And I said, well, I really don't want to stay underneath the bush. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyways, I said, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to get way outside your comfort zone. And you are going to get to be a much better rider in the next 20 minutes, whether you want to or not. 
And uh, I just told them, I said, we're going to have, we have no choice. We're going to have to do a bunch of single track cross grain, you know, across the mountains to get to where we need to be. And uh, I said, if we come up to stuff that, you know, you just are way too uncomfortable with, let me know. I said, I'll ride my bike down. I'll come back up. I'll get you and we'll take your bike down. And, and so we did end up doing that like three times. I, I, we'd come up to something and, he didn't feel comfortable going up it or going down something. So I would go up it on my bike, come back down and, and then ride back up it with, with him on the back with me. And that was on a KTM 200 two stroke, <laughs> not your ideal bike, uh, hill climbing bike with two people on it. <laughs> but, uh, we we got back we, we started getting back into the some some of the dirt roads and canyon areas that i recognized from a long time ago that i'd been on and i was like okay i think i have a pretty good idea of where we're at now and and uh ended up coming out in that little small little town of tip nipton there where mm-hmm. you know there's the 17 houses or yeah. or 11 i don't know um but as soon as we got to there i was just like Eureka. I'm like, okay. And I, then I told him, I said, okay, we're, I know where we're at for now, for sure. So, so we're going to ride on the shoulder of the highway back to where we parked. He goes, well, isn't that illegal? And I said, I don't really care if it's illegal or not. <laughs> I said, it's almost dark. And I said, and we got to get back. Yeah. And he says, well, what if we get stopped? I said, I'll, I'll deal with that. Don't worry about it. And, uh, so we got back and, and, uh, you know, and we're freezing cold too. And, uh, and anyways, he goes, you know, I was really scared. He goes, but I think it might've been the most fun I've ever had. He's <laughs> on a dirt bike. And, and uh, he says, there, there were some times today that I was really, really scared. And uh, he goes, and I didn't know if we were going to make it back or not. And I said, I, I knew we were going to make it back. I just didn't know if we were going to come back on one bike or two <laughs> or today or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But I, I had already made my mind up. He and I were getting back to the truck and we were going to leave one motorcycle in the desert if that's what we had to do. And he was going to ride in the back with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so did you ever hear from that guy again? Actually, he wrote an awesome review uh, for track on and uh, said that he had fun and he thanked me and, and, uh, you know, super appreciative of, of the experience, which he'll remember the rest of his life. Uh, yeah, he probably will remember <laughs> that the rest of his life. Uh, uh, I'd be interested to know if he ever wrote again after that. Yeah. Huh. So it was that was interesting. I bet he did. I hope so. Yeah. Hopefully he used that experience to broaden his 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 belief in himself and, and, and took his writing to another level you know because i mean the only way any of us ever got any faster is to step outside our comfort zone and crash oh, yeah. and then you gotta get back up and, and realize oh, i can do that a little more yep gotta get on the horse and that's a desert racer i mean you you can't just lay out there right you, you got to get home yeah and uh you know and i i'm just so incredibly thankful and and with all the, the great friends and, and contacts i made through desert racing and motocross racing and, and supermoto and you know it's interesting 
there are different groups of people within each of those realms of, of, of motorcycle racing. And uh, there is some crossover, but uh, most of them have their own unique group of people that, that participate in those types of forms of racing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I tell you the the desert racing, you know, family is, is really what it is. I mean, because we are, I mean, even though we're competitors, uh, oh, if, yeah. if, if somebody does happen to, to have a bad day and go down and be really unfortunate, uh, you know, you throw your own race away for that person. It happens in, every in, race. Immediately. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't need to talk about more crashing stories, but I, <laughs> I, I remember I was chasing a championship and I had to make the decision to stop for somebody because they really needed help. Yeah. And, uh, and I knew that by doing that, I was putting my championship at risk and I, it was really was, it went through my mind for like a split second. And I was just like, you know, it's a stupid wooden trophy or plastic trophy who gives a shit. Right. And, right. You know? Oh so. yeah. I think we've all stopped for somebody or had somebody stop for us. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I yeah. Have. yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure that I, I, uh, you know, I, I've had plenty of people stop for me when I, especially yeah. when I first started out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some awesome stories. Um, you think you'd ever race again? Interesting you say that. Uh, I was just thinking the other day, you know, I, I, I did have a situation uh, several years ago where I wasn't intending on racing the uh, Vegas Torino and like a week beforehand, I got a call from a couple guys and, they're like, hey, uh, would you race for us? You know, we've got a, a XR's only 650 and, you know, Baker prepped. I mean, it's, you know, all you need to do is show up with a gear bag. And I was like, well, that sounds like a pretty damn good deal. And they're like, yeah. could, could you provide a, a chase truck? And I said, sure. You know, so I, so that that I, I showed up with a, a chase truck and, and, and my gear bag and I, and I raced. And, and uh, interestingly enough, we were a three-man team, but one of our riders got hurt in his first leg of the race. So mm-hmm. I ended up racing about 280 miles that day. Wow. But I'd never ridden on a XR650, and those things are tanks. <laughs> and uh, I learned that you, you, you steer with the rear end and the throttle on those things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Eric, you haven't met me, but I'm, a, I'm basically a circus midget. I'm like five six, so um, <laughs> I I did stall that's that six fifty one time uh, outside of Beatty somewhere, but it was in a two track, a deep two track, and I stalled it. And I remember I had to push it like forty yards to get it to a place that was deep enough so that I could stand on the berm to start the damn thing. <laughs> that's hilarious because I'm just sitting here picturing you being like six three two forty. <laughs> no, I'm uh, at that time I was five six and about one ninety. <laughs> funny, yeah, and uh, but you know it, it was fun. Yeah. Those are big bikes, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of weight going in one direction once they're moving. Yeah, and uh, you know it's like Dave and I were out in my Razor uh, this this afternoon. 
and uh, there's some really great sand wash out here kind of by my house and, and Dave and, is corn dog by the way yeah exactly corn dog pardon me <laughs> and uh anyways you know I without even second thought I'm kind of flick this it's a four-seater but you know I I flick it kind of like a trophy truck does uh basically yeah. you, you 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 counter steer and then you flick it back the other way and but um all while standing on the on the gas and the one thing that I try and tell anybody that I let drive is, is, you know, do not ever let off the throttle when you're, when, when in doubt, gas it out and, and do not let off the throttle. You know, if, if you start to feel the ass end come around, steer into it, but stay in the throttle. Yeah. And, and I pretty much have lived my whole racing career that way. And, you know, sometimes it helped and other times it just augured me in. <laughs> Yeah, good advice. When in doubt, guess it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chances are you will end up saving your situation by guessing instead of letting off the throttle. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's counterintuitive to what your what your mind tells you to do, though. You know. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Your, your mind tells you to chop the throttle, which is yeah, it throws the inertia of everything completely off, and then you're then you're screwed. Yeah. You know, yep. especially. Yeah, you know, well, anything with suspension. I mean, you're you're you, you totally mess up the balance of a motorcycle or or anything with four wheels, and you know it's tough to recover. But if you if you stay in the throttle, you keep the suspension compressed and it's squatted, and then at least you have a fighting chance. Yeah, exactly. Good advice. <clears throat> so, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you got anything for March, Eric? So, uh, Corndog was telling me that you had a role with the AMA or something at one point. Yeah. Um, so the I would not I would not uh, have my my supermoto racing event as one of the AMA nationals, um, and I basically told them to pound sand for three years in a row on that deal. So they ended up asking me if if I would be a consultant to them. So I ended up uh, being the director of operations for the AMA Pro Supermoto Series in 2007. So, okay. uh, I basically flew around the country designing racetracks and building racetracks, and and then officiating the racing um, that whole season. So, that, hmm. and the nice part about that is that uh, I also got to race several of those events as well because I would race the amateur days. Um, and then officiate the pro days. Nice. That's nice. cool. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. I always wanted to try that super well, thing, but so what what's the biggest difference between off-road and say a supermoto bike? I mean, setup wise. Oh my gosh. Setup wise, you know, suspension in both of them is 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 key. I mean, uh most people can't utilize the full capacity of, of a stock motor in, in, in the first place. I mean, unless you get to the, right. you know, the, the, the faster expert level in, in the desert, then, and then you can, you know, start to really be able to utilize the full potential of a, of a 450 motor. Um, but if you're not at that top level, you, you can't get all the performance out of a stock motor in the first place. So a motor is the last place I would ever spend 
any money. I would spend your money on your suspension first and foremost in the desert. Um, that's if, if anybody ever was going to get started racing in the desert, I would tell them that's where to spend your money is in suspension. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I agree. And, 100%. and, and with, with supermoto suspension is important. Um, but it's, it's a lot like uh, supercross suspension uh, or road racing suspension. Um, in that it's real stiff and, uh, but you know, tire pressures are a really big deal in, in, in supermoto and the handling characteristics of just a few different pounds of pressure in your, in your tires. Cause you're racing with, uh, with slicks, road racing slicks. And, uh, believe it or not, the just three pounds difference in, in pressure really changes the, the handling characteristics of your bike. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and I will certainly say that, you know, having a, having a, a stout motor in, in supermoto definitely helps because, um, there's, there, there's so much grip that, that you're able to get that, uh, <clears throat> a stock motor in that is, is really, it's hard to be very competitive with a, with a totally stock motor. Um, I raced some, some bikes that I had, uh, were like built by Varner and stuff, uh, down in Southern California. And I mean, the bike's motor was really only rated for, for eight to 10 hours and then had to be completely rebuilt from the crank up. Wow. Yeah. But it was a 450, it was a 450 putting out 64 horsepower. I mean, it was, it was, that was that bike in particular was a, uh, I think an 08 CRF 450 and that thing was a freaking bottle rocket. Yeah. And at that time, what a stock motor was putting out, what? 52. Something like that. Yeah. 49, 48, something maybe 50 ish. But, but there's, there's a huge difference in, in 12 to 14 horsepower on a, on a bike that's 220 pounds. Yeah. Um, To the point where, you know, if you're, if you're not a good enough rider, that difference in 14 horsepower will also spit you, spit you off. Get you in trouble. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> so, so, so probably, I mean, the tires and then the super stiff suspension be like the two biggest changes. Yeah. And I would say that, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, in the desert, your, 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 your line choice, you know, some some guys just bulldog and will ride through everything. Other guys are are have more finesse to their style and kind of you know are able to pick smoother lines. Uh, in 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 supermoto and road racing, I mean it's you you've you've got to think and and you know if you're watching Supercross and they, you hear the guys on on the podium say I just got to keep hitting my marks lap after lap. I mean it's exactly that way in supermoto and road racing. I mean you you have a very specific spot where you know you chop the throttle and you 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 apply the brakes and and just like in in supercross or motocross i mean basically you should either be on the gas or on the brakes but not coasting ever Mm -hmm. and and i mean that's that's how the fast guys go fast i'm not saying that i'm that guy necessarily all the time (laughs) uh sometimes i was but um interestingly enough i can say that i think that because of my desert experience, I was able to bring a different element to my riding in, in supermoto, especially in the rain. For some reason, 
Um, I was really fast in the rain when, when a lot of other people, you know, were, were crashing left and right. I was, had for some reason, the ability to have a smooth enough throttle to go fast, but, but deliver the power, uh, to the ground, you know, in a consistent manner. Hmm. And I, and I think that, you know, believe it or not, desert racing, kind of taught me that sometimes you have to be, you know, pretty finesseful with your throttle, even though you don't think you are, you know, um, say you're, say you're on a two track road or, or on a dirt road for that matter. And you're, you know, fifth or sixth gear and you're, you're, you're sliding sideways through it. You know, you you kind of, you don't realize all of the different principles of riding that you're, that you're actually putting into that maneuver, but you tie a lot of different things in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's throttle control. It's weighting the foot pegs. It's, you know, gripping the bike. It's, you know, where your body's placed either frontwards or backwards on the bike. And there's, there's so much all going on at the very same time that, you know, you don't even think about it because once you get to that level of being able to go that fast, it's second nature. But, you know, that's the one thing for some reason I'm really able to, to, to utilize when I'm, working with with young motocross kids is is breaking things down verbally to be able to explain to them how to do things where there's lots of guys that can go really fast but can't explain how to do it yep exactly and i'm i'm i would have said probably a a decent mediocre speed um and but but can explain exactly how to do it Hmm. yeah no that's cool Cool that you're willing to pass it on to the younger kids and stuff too, helping that girl out. Yeah, and I, you know, and it was interesting. It's like, okay, I'm at this age. I'm I'm about forty pounds more than when I was when I was racing, and I'm, you know, this old chubby dude with a gray beard, and and uh, you know, easy. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I have a gray goatee and a beard. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a massive womb broom. Uh, <laughs> but uh anyways you know it's kind of funny initially i could see you know all these guys out at the motocross track and they're you know their 20s and they they saw me out there like walking around and and pulling this girl over and talking to her and then having her go and repeat sections and stuff and i could see as i'm walking back through the pits you know these guys start to kind of chirp and like what the hell is this guy doing out here but then uh two sessions later i've got some of these guys that are in their twenties coming up and talking to me. I've got some other kids asking, you know, parents asking, is it okay if, if, if their kids watch and stuff like that? And I'm totally all about it. I'm, you know, I, I'm willing to pass on whatever I can because I, I love the sport, you know, for sure. And so somehow, you know, that passion has allowed me to get, get Brock back into the sport one more time. And, and, uh, (laughs) And it's fun. I actually still have a KTM 450 in my garage, but I haven't ridden forever. And uh, I was telling Corndog, I said, you know, I, I, I think I might have to get this thing running again and, and actually ride. So it's not yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, dust it off. Yeah. And well, I was in a. I got rear-ended on Summerlin Parkway um, about a year and a half ago, so I oh. haven't been able to. I've, I've I've got a street bike too, a cruiser, and I haven't even been able to ride that. Um, it's just it kind of sucks but yeah bummer yeah but anyways uh i don't know i could 
just I'm I'm no different than anybody else that's ever done this podcast, except I'm not nearly as fast as they are, I'm sure. But <laughs> I've I've got just as many silly stories as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. Just we have a sick passion for the sport and we love it. So really appreciate you uh coming on, sharing your stories and stuff. And yeah, well I I appreciate fun. the opportunity. It's it's kind of fun and and uh you know, again, I didn't ever anticipate doing something like this, but I'm thankful that, I mean, I've been smiling pretty much <laughs> going down memory lane here. It's just, it's, it's funny and, and fun. And I think of all the opportunities and the cool things and all the awesome places I've got to go. Thanks to motorcycles. His KTM will be running tomorrow. Watch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He'll be out on it. Yeah. But the neighbors will be like, who said fat old man ripping stand-up wheelies up and down the street? <laughs> <laughs> Sliding around the corner. <clears throat> this isn't supermoto. Uh, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I, I do drive my racer, my razor like a uh, like a supermoto bike though. I'm sideways about at least fifty percent of the time in it. Yeah, there that's was my, no that's throttle off. <laughs> He never let the throttle off once, I don't think. That's awesome. Not even when he time. had the blowout. We we still ran for like <laughs> a few more miles. He goes, hey, do I have a flat? I had to get out and look. Yeah, it's off the bead. <laughs> so I, I slammed into a uh, – there there was one corner in the sand wash, and there were some, some deep two tracks in it, and I slammed into one. I don't know. We were probably going about 60-ish, I guess, and, and – but slammed into it hard enough to, to tear the tire off the bead. So <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me what those cars can handle. It's pretty rad. Oh yeah. Dude, the suspension oh, and the throttle pickup. I was, I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I guess with, with that, I'll just say thanks to both of you guys. I, I really did have fun and, yeah. Hopefully I made at least somebody laugh while they were listening to this. We were laughing. Yeah, because everybody else that's listening to this has done some other dumb stunt at some someplace. <laughs> you know, uh, how many people have you ever had on here that, that crashed their bikes, loading them in the back of their trucks that are willing to talk about it? Right. I don't know if we've had anybody willing to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody's done it. Yeah. Or Or it doesn't happen as much in the desert i don't think that i've seen it but at motocross tracks i've seen like four or five guys blow out the back windows in their trucks because they'll they'll ride their bikes up in their in in the the back of their truck but they don't have the throttle control or the brake control and they (laughs) they they think that they have to ride it up super fast to get in the back of their truck so they they go up way too fast and they just slam into the back of their truck and they blow out their back it it explodes Yeah, I have not done that. I will just say I have not. Done <laughs> I haven't either, but I I don't ride mine up. Push it. So, all right. Um, well, thank you, March, and thanks for the hospitality. Let me hang out here today and tonight, yep. and uh, uh, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if anybody out there is listening who I've ever raced with or or knew. Uh, Hope you guys are doing great and and you're keeping safe. And cool. I don't Thanks, mean COVID. And I don't mean COVID because that's a bunch of shit, anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
Well, Eric, you have anything else to throw out there? We can uh, get ready to end the show and call it a night, huh? Yeah, yeah, we can wrap it up. Um, just want to make sure we give a shout out to our sponsors of the show and uh, Takamoto. Mike, thank you again for the support here and keeping this thing rolling and giving us the tools we need to to make it happen. So uh, go check out takamoto.co. They got parts and uh, kits for all kinds of different bikes and stuff. So go check that out. Um, and then just a quick shout out to a couple of my sponsors, Fly Racing, Bulletproof Designs, Kenna Tires. Thank you guys for keeping me on the track and keeping me straight. So that's all I've got, corn dog. Cool. Yeah, I think we're done. Um, I'll be hitting the road probably tomorrow, heading down the lower part of New Mexico and then off into Texas. So awesome, man. Well, keep us keep us posted on your adventure and uh stay safe, buddy. Yep, and uh everybody reach out to us on Facebook, Katie Eric, or the desert dirt biker at gmail.com. Our Instagram, the Desert Dirt Biker, or TikTok. And uh, make sure you leave a comment, share us, suggestions, whatever you have. And uh, I'm sure we'll do another show while I'm out here on the road again. And uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. and on that note, when I get to, where am I going? Alabama. I found a second cousin, and he wants to take me to a huge distillery <laughs> yeah uh, a motorcycle museum and he said it takes over a day to go through it it said it's one of the biggest and best in the country i guess so i will probably be attending that maybe we'll do a show from there or something all right sounds good man take some pictures yeah lots of, i've been taking lots of pictures i'm probably filling up my camera <laughs> my phone but uh but, um... anyway on that note Everybody have a good night. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you at the races. Later, guys. Take care. Thank you. You have just listened to another episode of the Desert Dirt Biker podcast. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you tune in next time.